Brian's freaking out This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Yep, it's a formal Friday edition of Brock and Salk here on Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports application. And all of the podcast platforms that exist anywhere that you can find them, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Morning, Justin. Good morning, Maura. Good morning. I like the formal Friday, even though it's a hoodie Friday almost every week. Yeah. I was going to say, we all wore sweatshirts today. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we may need to rethink formal Friday. It's Seattle formal. Yeah, so of course. It, it's a little bit different. It's Seattle formal. Uh, one a little shout out to my daughter, Avery, who's uh, excited for this Sunday. Speaking of formality, uh, Oscars. This Sunday, I don't know if you've been planning on that, but uh, Oscars not. are Sunday evening, and my lovely daughter Avery, who is in fifth grade, decided to host an Oscar party. How about that? That's cute. Wow. First party any of my kids have thrown that was not a birthday party. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So she's got, like, I think a few friends coming over. That feels so adult. Right? They uh, they bought, like, a little cheap red carpet. Going to get all dressed up. <laughs> Right. And uh, yeah, so there you go. A little Oscar party. I don't know if they've seen any of the films, but uh, are you going to be interviewing on the red carpet? I may be. I don't know. We'll see exactly. What, I haven't be been assigned awesome. a role. I wasn't formally invited. I wasn't in the Evite. So I don't know exactly what that means for my role. Maybe Is I'm going to be kick- invited. Uh, <laughs> she probably could be. Would she get dressed she up? She would love that. Would she want to get dressed up? Probably. Would she be glamorous? Probably. <laughs> well, we can we can have that conversation. Maybe we could negotiate a little bit. So, yeah, it's going to be a big weekend in the Salk household. And wow. I'm told it could be a big weekend in the Dooley household as well. Happy oh, birthday tomorrow not. for Maura. Tomorrow, yeah. Maura turns 28 tomorrow. Yes, that's it. And we are Thank very, very happy for her. It's happy an easy birthday. birthday to remember, 311. Yeah. How do you <laughs> remember that? Come original. Yes. <laughs> We uh, got back from Arizona and just kind of went straight back to work. And I told Justin, like, halfway through the week, he asked me what I was doing for my birthday. And I was like, what, Wednesday? I was like, I just realized last night that (laughs) my birthday is this weekend. (laughs) I knew it was coming up, but in my head it was still, like, further. Well, I got you a gift, but it does not arrive until tomorrow. So, sorry I couldn't bring it today. Oh, wow. That was sweet. Thank you. That is very nice of you. Wow. Justin's one of those thoughtful people. Hey, speaking of that, since it is uh, uh, a... a formal Friday, and I was talking about all the podcast platforms. I do have some new Apple podcast reviews. I haven't read you guys any in a while, but I, I thought I would read you some. I had a few that have popped up recently. Now, sometimes they still pop up on the old Mike Salk show page, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's now been, what, six months or so since we started this show. But uh, they're, they, I guess, both still feed to the same place. Yeah. So uh, I, I liked this one. I thought you would appreciate this. This one is from Dog Peter. It came in just three days ago. And he says, phony. You talk to your audience as a fan of the Seahawks in many respect. But when you talk to Peter John, you nothing more than a boot licking lackey. Wow. (laughs) I came to tune on to you from Hawaii every day as I think you were the top of the mountain on Sport Talk Radio in Seattle. As a mediocre talk show host... You opine on things where you make assumptions based I feel on like there's good at like it's a little back and forth here. Yeah. Based on half baked information without a true understanding of the more holistic picture. After this draft is over, free agency, etc., you'll see how clueless you are at being an NFL GM. You are you and Brock are no Mike and the Mad Dog. 
But interestingly enough, to keep me tuning in. I guess that the beauty of robust debate. You still get a five-star rating. Brock is a lackey, only by extension. Wow. So I don't Lackey's a good word. There's a lot of $5 words that guy used there. I don't think any of them are used correctly, but I I appreciate (laughs) that one. Huh? Dog Peter? Uh, That's from Dog Peter. Yeah. I never get quite what people expect that, like, want you to be more brutally honest with... Like yeah, no, they, char- like, I do. I get do, it. Like, but like, you I do, do understand it. that he's not going to come on the show every week if you make things too uncomfortable for him. I right? get that. But I also understand <laughs> that they I understand. I uh, truly of all the things people criticize us for. That's one of the things I think I understand the most. If I'm a fan sitting at home and I'm mad at whatever it is, because generally the people who want that are, are angry for some reason. And, and they may very well be right about it. What do they want? They want to tell to Pete flesh. or John or or Scott or whomever yeah. it is how mad they are and what they're doing wrong. Yeah. And so they think and they want me to do the same thing. I don't blame them. It's not exactly how it works. My job is to get answers. It's an interview, not a conduit to make, you know, the the fans voice heard to the coach. And that's fine. I mean, it's just a different view on on what those you know, what that time is for. But, yeah, I don't, that doesn't make me mad. I, I think I understand exactly where those people are coming from. Uh, F. Hudhervorsbzhid says Perfect. ranked is so good. Uh, All right. Don't get me wrong. Fake news. The worst places to go to the bathroom is That's pretty Brock good. But nothing beats a normal ranked. Totally agree with that. Thank you. Uh, love the show, says uh, 425. The chemistry between Mike, Brock, Justin, and Mora is fantastic. I enjoy the coverage of Seattle sports and the differing opinions and Mike's propensity to play devil's advocate. Never. Been a fan since Brock and Salk 1.0. Really enjoying 2.0. Keep up the great work. P.S. You definitely need two weeks for spring training next year. I don't know if that one came from Kathy or not, but uh, it would be nice if it did. So We can print that, that out and take it up to Kathy. I think we could probably do something Maybe like that. Maybe we can that. make a petition. Uh, ooh, petition. I love that. Petition. Wait, is this 2.0 or 3.0? I think it's 3.0, but okay. that's okay. They, they're just a little behind the times. They don't really know how many .0s we have, which mm-hmm. is fine. Uh, let's see. You want a few more? By far the best sports radio show in Seattle. I've been listening to these guys over 10 years. The best. That's from Jeffrey Clemens. Uh, let's see. Listen from Virginia every single day. Go M's. Uh, Akashic Puddle. Great stuff. But <laughs> since Mark Few was on the show, the only mention Gonzaga gets is when they lose, which Akashic isn't often. Puddle. Uh, haven't dust- thought about the waters of the Akashic Ocean. Not enough. No. Nope. Uh, most thoughtful and funny show in America. How about wow. that? I live in <laughs> Portland and travel all over the nor- Northwest. Rarely get to listen to show live, so the podcast is essential. Uh, I was a Brock and Sulker from the very beginning. I've always loved the interplay between two thoughtful and very different people who respect each other, setting the tone in an age of meanness. Love the whole crew. You've literally saved my life on the road, keeping me awake. Keep rocking. Thank you. And then uh, I know you like the one-star reviews. We don't have as many recently, but another poor performance, says Drew Mann. What a near useless week of reporting. I'm assuming he means it's spring training. training. But I'm so pleased you all had the opportunity to play golf and relax. That's what this sounds like. He's upset about the. I know. And you know what? I don't blame him. Should be jealous. Top golf was really fun. Uh, Salk is an idiot. Uh, This one's from a while ago. This is from when I got into the uh, Super Bowl. One play did not ruin the entire game. The refs made the call. Get over it. Oh, maybe this is from the Super Bowl. You are negative and just a huge whiner. Go work in Philadelphia. And uh, how about this one? One star. Could we just get Brock? If you love a show of the same big hand jokes and four hours of the same contract talk. This is your show. 
So there you go. Uh, they're all still good, and I still appreciate all of them. I really do enjoy these. So, again, uh, the Mike Salk Show still has a 4.7. The Brock and Salk Show is only at a 4.6. Please go help us out and uh, subscribe Lackey. at uh, Apple Apple Podcasts and maybe send us a, a five-star review and make it mean because then uh, there's a better chance that we'll read it here on the air. But, but you know, five stars would be nice. Kind of like uh, the one we got from uh, from Dog Peter. Because uh, I thought that that sort of summed everything up. That was fantastic. Well, Thank I've unfortunately sharing. wasted this entire segment. I'm Wait, sorry about to, that. Uh, stalled and not talk about the Kraken loss because that was oh, frustrating. Man. And I'll tell you what, I will. Uh, I have moved them up to the second need to know. Okay, so that will be discussed uh, very soon. I'm. I'm. It was a frustrating game and stayed up to watch it. Right, I was like, oh, you know what, I'll see how this goes. I'm watching and then. Yeah, it kind of left me frustrated. I had a bunch of buddies who were at the game yesterday. Oh, you should be here. This is great. And by the end, I didn't hear from them much. I think they were yeah. a little frustrated with how that sucker ended. So certainly that's on the docket today. And in case you didn't hear, yesterday was like talk to everybody with the Seahawks day here on the station as Gina Smith was on with Bump and Stacy, And then John Schneider was on later in the day. And there is a lot of information that was gleaned from those interviews. So busy day this morning. We'll be right back with everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. And yes, on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a one-star review. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, this Geno contract, it just keeps getting better and better. More and more details emerging yesterday regarding both his incentives and the nature of the guarantee. The incentives are great and gives him an opportunity, essentially, if he can beat and improve on his year last year, he can make significantly more money. But what's more important to me is the guarantee, and this is now effectively a one-year deal. Mike Garofalo reporting the full guarantee is really only in year one. So if they were to draft another quarterback in the draft this year, or if he were to regress, they can move on before next season. Huge, huge deal for the Seahawks. So, yeah, that would... Uh that's certainly a lot better than it appeared when it first came out. Gino knows the what this means and knows they could be in the market for his replacement right away. He understands what that would look like. I know that if that conversation needed to be had, you know, Coach Carroll and, and John would have that conversation with me. But I know that they know that the type of player I am, the type of teammate I am, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it was Drew Locke, whether it was Russell Wilson or Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, I'm going to try my best to help that person, that player, be the best that he can be. It doesn't matter if we're competing or not, because the best man should win the job. And I believe in myself, so, you know, I'm going to help everybody out. You know, I'm going to help all my teammates be, be great, and, you know, including myself, and hopefully they would do the same for me. Well, hopefully it'd be interesting to see how he feels if that happens, like, you know, in a few weeks. Right? Like, it's one thing, like, yeah, down the line we might draft another quarterback, but no, we're going to do it in April see how it goes and and Gino has certainly lived up to everything that's come out of his mouth so far so looking forward to seeing him deal with that if that is how they end up going uh, no surprises here as well. Seahawks did cut ties yesterday with both Gabe Jackson and Ben Burkirvan. Saves them about $6.5 million against the cap. Jackson never really lived up to his billing here. He was okay. He wasn't bad. Uh, but I think you saw last year that he ended up rotating at guard. And yeah, it just didn't make a lot of sense to keep him around any longer, certainly with those kind of savings available. Here's the second thing you need to know. Oh, what a frustrating night, Justin. You brought it up already. Frustrating night for the Kraken. They got down three goals in the first period. Called timeout. 
sort of reminded me of that St. Louis game early in the season. And then they kind of picked up the pace, decided to get going. They came roaring back, scored four goals in a row. Out of the corner, spots McCann out of the box. Sprung, here they come. Gord in the zone. Sprung, up a stick, they score. Jared McCann. Right place, right time. Sprung's released, joins the fray. Yeah, that was a heck of a goal. Uh, John Forslund with a typically great call on Root Sports yesterday. That one tied it up. They scored again to make it 4-3. And then gave up a goal a few minutes later and another one with two minutes left in the game and end up losing 5-4. Bad loss? Yeah, I would think it would have to be, right? I mean, uh, you sure would have liked to have earned at least one point after having it tied late, especially with both L.A. and Vegas both winning yesterday. But... I'll tell you what, it's funny. I watched that game yesterday, and they got down three, and I was like, you know, they're not playing that badly. They carried some of the play. They made a few mistakes in their own zone, a couple turnovers, and that was sort of the theme of the game. There was some sloppiness, but I thought they kept the pressure on consistently. They played quite a bit of the game in the Ottawa zone. So, I don't know. I I wasn't surprised to see them come back. I was definitely surprised to see them blow it like that at the end. I thought we were sort of heading towards a gentleman's point and then see what happens in overtime, but... uh, didn't happen last night. Hopefully it won't come back to bite them. Here's the third thing you need to know. Mariners take care of business yesterday against Team Canada. Cal Raleigh leading the way with three hits all from the right side of the plate. That's nice to see. Tommy LaStella with a hit in his first at bat of the spring. Cade Marlowe unfortunately removed with some oblique soreness. Never liked to see that. I don't know if you noticed Jerry talking yesterday, and we'll play you the whole Jerry DePoto interview in about 10 minutes. Did you hear him sort of put Jared Kelnick on the team this year? I mean, he sort of, without saying Jared had made the team, because in theory, that might not happen, right? They could go with Cade Marlowe. They could go with somebody else in left field. He kind of made it clear that Kelnick was the kind of assumptive that Kelnick was going to be on All the right. team, which is great. Anyway, Cade Marlowe removed with some oblique soreness. Not exactly a clean outing for exciting prospect Prelander Baroa. He gave up a shot in this game. Uh, Marco Gonzalez pretty good, though, which is great to see. Mariners will get back in action today against Cincinnati. One other surprise from the DePoto interview yesterday, kind of watching what's going on with the Yankees and their pitching staff. I was surprised to hear him say this. No, not at all. Uh, you know, right now it's still very quiet in that regard. Most teams are still assessing what they have internally. And, you know, and, and like us, you know, it, when you go out and watch us play right now, you get excited watching the Perlander Barroas and the Bryce Millers and the Emerson Hancocks and, and, and what they're doing. It's not difficult to squint as a front office and say, okay, if we get to this point and, and these guys get pushed into action, we're confident they can do it. And, you know, and two weeks from now, when you're actually staring at opening day on the horizon and you're in that position, you might feel a little bit differently. Yeah, maybe. And I understand what he's saying that other teams have young players, but again, if you go back to look at the Yankees, they've lost Montas. Now Rodon is going to be shut down until at least May. And with forearm tightness, you better hope that doesn't develop into an elbow that turns into Tommy John. So just hard for me to imagine that Yankees fans wouldn't be putting on a lot of pressure for their organization to trade for an established veteran starter, of which the Mariners have a couple extras. Uh, One other thing to note, big change from yesterday. No charges will be filed against Sean Kemp for whatever his role was that were in shots that were fired at the Tacoma Mall parking lot. I don't fully understand the story at all. Didn't really understand it yesterday. Still don't really understand it. So uh, hopefully details will continue to emerge. But no charges will be filed. And he 
he was released. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. Something I picked up a few times watching hockey. Maybe you, t- you maybe there's a term for this because I know that it, there's there's a way to explain it in soccer. It's right after you score, like the, within the next minute, yeah. the chances of the other team coming back and scoring. What is that? I don't know. How just, is that happening? Just the so response often? goal, right? I mean, it, it does seem to happen a lot. I, I mean, when I uh, would listen to Andy Brickley, who is the color commentator in Boston, who really does a fantastic job. Uh, he would always talk about, I think it's the dangerous minute, but that's right after the power play. Okay. So there, and you saw that yesterday for uh, Ottawa, right? Yep. That you just heard the goal we just played for McCann, where Sprong comes out of the box, they hit him, it's two on one, they end up scoring, et cetera. Um, but sometimes, and, and that's one way that right after a power play can be dangerous. The other is your lines are kind of muddled. Right, because usually the five guys that are on the ice together for the power play are not necessarily a normal line combination yeah. with with you know two defenders, and so all of a sudden you 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 sort of are trying to change, and everything gets a little awash. Uh-huh. So I've heard him mention that before as kind of a dangerous moment for teams right afterwards. I don't know why. I think this is just a, a freaking Kraken thing, huh. like it just Grubauer, for, especially for whatever reason has struggled right after the team has scored. And, and I don't know if he loses concentration or what, but yeah, it has seemed to been plague him specifically in his entire career here. Yeah, so it's I, really odd. Oh, it's very frustrating. The response goal is, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with it, but it's very, but they're not even done announcing the goal. Of the I know. And, you're like, and there you go. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird game yesterday for the Kraken, but yeah, getting close to the playoffs, and uh, you can feel some of that playoff environment, playoff buzz. Up with the Kings as they get closer. Yeah, going to be fun. All right, coming up next, Jerry Depoto with a lot to say yesterday. Yeah, you can hear him sort of assume that Jared Kelnick's on the roster. He's got some great thoughts on his young pitchers, and I think you'll want to hear his description of Julio Rodriguez, the hitter. It made me laugh out loud. I liked it. It's coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten SeattleSports.com. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, folks. How are we doing? We're good. It sounds like the weather has uh, significantly improved down there since we left. Yeah, I do. We're now creeping into the low 80s, which is lovely. And the evening games are uh, are are a little brisk, but very comfortable. It's, okay. It's solid. It's spring training. A lot of talk about the uh, the beanie you were wearing last week on with us. It, oh, it, big time. Went viral, Jerry. I don't know if you know that. a viral sensation as people were uh, curious about the hat. And then I started talking about how you took the hat off and your hair immediately sprang back into place. Whereas I took my beanie off and I looked like Yahoo Sirius from Young Einstein. So... <laughs> My hair grows straight up. You know, it's, it, there's, it's somewhere between, you know, it's, uh, 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 John Hughes movies from the 80s and, and maybe Yuli Gurriel. But uh, I'm, it's, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with my hair. What do you use in there? I mean, what keeps it so perfectly in place? Yeah, actually, there's, in spring training, I come to the ballpark as is, you know, and I, I get my workout in and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take my shower. There's a little bit of, uh, like a, uh, a styling wax that I'll use for, mm. for lack of a better way to term it. Okay. It's, uh, it's not a lot. The hair sticks up naturally on its own. Mm. Some guys have all the luck, Brock. It's just not right. Yeah. Major league pitchers, right? Got Presidents. a major league arm, president uh-huh. of an organization. Uh-huh. But better than that is hair just grows straight uh, so up. So, Brock, I believe, Jerry, you'll love this. The term that was coined was Jerry Dripoto. Oh. For the. Oh, drippy. Drippy. Are you familiar with drip? 
I, I am familiar with drip. I am not familiar with Tripoda, but it's a, I can make it work. Hey, all right, let's talk a little bit about your team rather than your hair. Uh, and we'll start with your young pitchers. Logan had his first start. Kirby had his first start. Neither were spectacular. And then we saw Logan kind of bounce back quite a bit yesterday. Where are you on the, the sort of slow roll, the slow development of those guys this year? Uh, I, nothing stands as out of the ordinary. We're seeing with all our pitchers, you know, the, the, between the first and the second, or even in some cases with our relievers, the third outings, we're starting to see velocity creep up. Whereas with the, the starting pitchers, we're starting to see command and, and quality of secondary pitches improve. That's what spring training's for. And, you know, we're, we feel like we're right on target for having the guys ready from, you know, from an innings or in spring training, what we reference as an up down, you know, just getting a guy up and down in the game out there for that third time through the line or the third inning. Uh, you know, that that's the goal at this stage for guys like Robbie and Marco and, and the rock and with George and Logan, we started a little later, so it's not quite as far along, but we think they're in a good place. You know, one thing that struck me, Jerry, maybe surprised me the most being down there and seeing everybody work over the course of the week was how hard these pitchers went. And and I, and I don't know if that is different now. I don't know if I just was totally uninformed, but you know, we watched him throw a bullpen and my thought, and I think some people's like, oh, they throw a bullpen. And then three days later, they throw a bullpen. That's not the case. I mean, Flexen and Marco are getting after it and they're doing long toss in between and they're throwing, you know, the weighted balls. And a lot of the guys, obviously with all the driveline technique are, are continuing to be very active. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see a ton of babying of arms I saw a lot of guys just really working and, and getting after it. Is is that different today than it was in your era in the eighties and nineties, or is it kind of always been that way? Yeah, it's, I, I would say it's something in between those two, but you know, what we do now is, is so focused on arm care. And, you know, when you are going to throw baseballs at the high velocity that today's pitchers throw and, and it's never been, what it is today. There's so many pitchers today that, that throw the ball 95 to to hundred miles an hour. And in order to do that, you have to prepare your arm to be able to withstand the rigor of it. And, and that includes more long toss, more arm prep, you know, harder, but shorter throwing sessions. And, and that's generally what we advocate for. And, you know, our guys throw regularly, you know, back in the nineties, we would come to spring training, would throw a bullpen every second day and, and, uh, and you ramp up into your innings and that's that. And and here it's a a much more regimented program where we're trying to to prepare the the pitchers to withstand the kinds of velocity and spin that they're going to create. And, you know, it, it's more frequent, but shorter sessions mm-hmm. that I think are, are preparing. Well, at the top of that, and you mentioned him, The Rock, and, and you know, we've looked at his you know, spring numbers over the years, even some of his starts, Jerry. And, and I know that you had referenced to Salk and I, oh, I don't know, this offseason saying, yeah, it was 16 games on paper between us and the Astros. But let's really, you know, do a deep dive and look at when Cal Raleigh and when, you know, the, the rock came aboard and and how different it was, you know, when you were that team and that complete team in the second half of the season. Well, that's going to require Luis coming out and maybe being a little sharper than he's been in some of the years past. Is he going to, with your guys' guidance, take a little different path ramping up to that first start of the season? 
Yeah, sure. Hope so. You know, and right now his secondary pitches are a little bit further along than we would have anticipated. Um, there's his command is spring training ish command right now. And, and his velocity, like with the other guys, I guess not named Robbie Ray, it's, it's peaking up as we move along. And, uh, you know, I, the rock came in as a little further along than we would have anticipated based on some of the feedback that we got during his time with the Reds. And, you know, he's, we've talked about this as we talked about with, with Felix in, in years past, you know, his, his off season is about rest and recovery. And he typically doesn't start throwing until later in January. And I think he got after it a little bit earlier this year in terms of throwing. We'll see if that translates into, you know, more productive, you know, uh, outings in the early season. But, you know, if we get those 25 to 32 starts that, that he has historically delivered, I'll take them whenever they come. Hey, Jerry, I asked Shannon uh, about this guy yesterday, and it's somebody that I know you guys uh, targeted this offseason and brought in, and we haven't talked a lot about him on this station necessarily, and quite frankly, I barely noticed him while we were down there, but that's A.J. Pollock. What have you seen so far, and what can we reasonably expect? He's been great, you know, and and he's been particularly exceptional in his prep and his adjustments to the things we do as opposed to, you know, maybe where he was a year ago. And, you know, so many of the programs we we run, and this is true of 30 teams, it's just a little bit different than what other teams do. And and AJ bought in immediately to to the things that we find to be high value. He's, he's been an advocate for them in the, in the cages out on the fields with the younger guys, I, his work habits have always been standout and he's been great in the clubhouse. Uh, I, there's the other thing with AJ in addition to, you know, his, I guess, proficiency or general excellence over the years versus left-hand pitching is that you know, he's really only had one down year, that being last year against right-hand pitching. It's a, he's, it's a, we talk about him and, and I'm quick to, I guess, to, to, profess his quality against left-hand pitching. He's got a long history of being good against righties too. <laughs> and and uh, so far in spring training, he looks very comfortable against both. He's handling the breaking ball. Well, I know he's spending some time in the cages uh, on the machines facing right-hand pitching. And I think that's a, a, it's a real positive for me that he's not walking in thinking this is no chance for me to go out there and, and play regularly. And, and it looks like that. Do we got a new A-Rod? <laughs> We we do have an A-Rod, he's, and he's in great. I, I will say he is one of those that showed up in the shape of his life. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, by the way, I ran into I ran it. Was it Skyler? Is that who who it was? The the, the yeah. best. I ran into Skyler, and then I was of course doing what a left-handed middle child does. I was stirring it up in the in the research and development room, and I was really kind of stirring, trying to. And, and there's still some of those guys stung by that. You know, they're not feeling oh, they're, that they're, they're very stung. They're very stung. As a matter of fact, I, I said to one, uh, one of our analysts, when he showed up for spring training, I won't out him, but you know, I did say to Spencer when he, when he walked in the door, you look phenomenal. And, and it looks like you spent your entire off season being <laughs> athletic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, I love the fact that they're competitive, but you know, in the, in the world of, who's great at intramural sports. I think we've, we've, uh, we've all come to, to agree that that Skyler has separated himself from the rest. 
So tell me about this A-Rod that's delivered now a couple different times. When we were down there, I think in the late innings, he had a, a big hit to, to, to get a victory. Yesterday, he's got the two-run home run late. Tell me about this Alberto Rodriguez. Uh, Alberto, if you recall, we picked him up in the summer of 2020 in a, in a, when we sent Taiwan Walker to Toronto in a deadline deal. And uh, he's since played at the A-levels for us. And, you know, 2021, Alberto Rodriguez really stood out for what he did uh, on the field, quality of contact, performance at a young age and a a faster league. And then last year, he struggled a little bit with promotion and didn't go quite as easily for him. And he's now on the 40-man roster or was, and, you know, the clock was ticking. So this offseason, we, we moved him through waivers in anticipation of him not being ready to make the jump to the big leagues and not wanting to burn, you know, those last options. So we were fortunate enough to get him through. He showed up in great shape. Uh, he's played a very good defensive outfield, uh, mostly in right, but can also play left, swings left-handed. And his quality of contact this spring has been fabulous. And he's, he's had two really big, what I would call mature at bats to end games that, or near the end of games that have been, you know, the kind that stick with you. And you talk about the next morning at the meeting. Hey, I, one thing we always hear is that pitches don't move necessarily the same way in spring training in Arizona as they would later in the year, whether it's the heat or the dry desert air, or whatever, the sliders don't drop as much, et cetera. How does that change the way you evaluate pitchers and or hitters as you're trying to figure out where everybody's at? Yeah, you know, hitters are usually going to have an advantage in Arizona spring training, particularly early. Uh, Pitchers are going to have a difficult time with consistency with their breaking ball. And it's a it's a combination of, you know, the drier air makes the grip tougher to get and. Uh, or, you know, at that tack and your fingers tougher to, to really get into. And the balls are just a little bit harder uh, because of that, that dry air. So uh, you try to remember that the breaking ball isn't naturally uh, as, as crisp or as consistent as you're going to, to see it once the, the weather starts to warm, like it's happening right now. And, uh, but, you know, velocity, fastball, carry, command of, of your fastball is generally representative. So you, really what you're doing is you're taking breaking balls with a grain of salt for the first couple of weeks and, and understanding that hitters do have an advantage in this environment. Hey, Jerry, we did not really see Tommy Lastella while we were down there. And I know he's still working his way back. I can't even say that I don't remember even bumping into him or, or seeing him necessarily. Where is he at right now, and where is some of that backup with with Demo still working his way back? Where is some of that backup, third base, second base, shortstop? Where is that in the process? Yeah, 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 I I feel like again, it's as good as we've had. You know, Sam Haggerty has played all over the infield already. He's played some third base and made some plays that that frankly we wouldn't have anticipated him making at third base but this is as healthy as Sam has been, you know, bodily and particularly arm wise as, as at any time since he's been a Mariner. And, uh, you know, Demo is, I would say based on the information we're getting back from his, his rehab program is he's closing in on, on playing. He's now at full go on the backfields and, and, uh, running, changing direction, all those good things. So still trending toward being ready for opening day. And Tommy is going to DH today in the, in the game today. He's in a throwing program. We're hopeful that he can start playing defense uh, by Monday, if, if not 
sooner than that, but minimally by Monday or early next week. Um, but he's ready to start taking that bats and, and prepare himself. So he should also be uh, ready for opening day. And, you know, beyond that, like every other team, you, if, if you, if it requires you go to the fifth, sixth and seventh person on your depth chart uh, coming out of spring training, you're probably going to feel like you're a little short. <laughs> and, and I'm imagining that that 29 other teams would feel the same if, if, uh, if you were assuming that, that four players weren't going to be ready, but we're not making that assumption. We well, think and, they'll be ready to go. And bouncing around the league, we're starting to see some starting pitchers that are already dropping off, you know, opening day rosters. Has that, has that changed or heated up the trade market at all as you're communicating with other folks in your business? No, not at all. Uh, you know, right now it's still very quiet in that regard. Most teams are still assessing what they have internally and, you know, and, and like us, you know, it, when you go out and watch us play right now, you get excited watching the Perlander Barroas and the Brace Millers and the Emerson Hancocks and, and, and what they're doing. And it's, it's not difficult to squint as a front office and say, okay, if we get to this point and, and these guys get pushed into action, we're confident they can do it. And, you know, and two weeks from now, when you're actually staring at opening day on the horizon and you're in that position, you might feel a little bit differently based on, you know, the, the stress that that would put on those young players and, and having to, to develop in double time. So um, I, nothing yet in terms of, of activity on the, the trade market or any change in that regard. But I think it's because teams are looking at their versions of those young pitchers in the same way that we would. Uh, we, Salk and Shannon and I, were all in one accord, which doesn't always happen. We were not, you know, not very often. We were all in agreement on something. But we just bounced around the ideas. We're starting to see these batting average numbers tick up just a little bit. And and uh, in, in whether that is, as you said, just the advantage that spring training hitters have early on or not, we'll see. Or whether that is the shift and, and some of the things that have come into play. But we kind of bantered about who we thought this year in 2023 would end the Mariner season with the highest batting average. Salk, Shannon, and I all came to the same person, same agreement. I'm curious who your answer would be on that. Uh, it, it, to me, there are two potential uh, great answers to this one, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was one of four or five. But I'd say your your discussion is probably between Ty France and, and Julio. And it's uh, – you know, Ty is, as a right-handed hitter, is an all-fields guy. And I think, with the exception of the second half of last year when he was really banged up, has always been a bat-for-average hitter. And, and that's even in a time where, where you're able to relocate defenses. Uh, and Julio is just a naturally awesome hitter. So I, I, those are the two that I would would put down if I had to pick who's going to be your best bat for average. I like that description of Julio. I think we may use it. Just naturally awesome. Uh, the other name was was Pollock, who's hit over 300, I think, a couple of times and in and around that area. If he gets enough at-bats, I would think he could be in that conversation as well. Oh, for sure. You know, AJ's, AJ's been that guy, and he'll have the advantage of, you know, like with J.K., uh, of not naturally always having to face the tougher right-hand pitching. Right. And, uh, so it's in theory that helps prop up that batting average too. But I do think you're seeing it with the, some of the restrictions on shifting, especially with the left-handed hitters. We have seen so many balls go up the middle or in that, you know, kind of the, the, the four hole between the first baseman and second baseman that for what seems like a decade, they've been outs and in spring training, they've been hits and, 
and actually it's pretty refreshing to watch. There's, there's more activity in the game. So I was reading Shannon's uh, piece yesterday and she had Scott talking about that with Kelnick and, and specifically saying, Hey, instead of leaving the field Oh, for three, he ends up leaving one for three. He doesn't crush the ball, but it goes through that hole between first and second. And the next thing you know, it's not a bad day for him. And he looks up and his average, instead of being zero is three thirty three for the day. I, you know, of all the people I would think, I just look at Kelnick and think about the new rules between a shorter time, a shorter time to think in the batter's box, the ability for more hits to go through and then what that can do for his confidence. And then with his speed, what, what, whatever changes with the, uh, with the base running, I would think he would benefit from these rules as much as anybody on your team. Oh, I think so. I, I think there are three real gainers on our team with the, the restrictions uh, that, that currently exist with shifting. And it's JK, it's Cal, and it's JP. Uh, you know, I think those three guys in particular will benefit. Um, JK has pulled so many balls hard to the right side of the field. And I could say the same about Cal that have just turned into outs. And, and, I, and, and JP hits more balls on the ground. Than, than most of the other hitters in our lineup and typically resides on that kind of middle to pull trajectory. So I, I think those guys will benefit in ways that others won't. And you're seeing it now with JK and even, you know, using last night as an example, it's all right. He didn't chip in a hit, but he took his walk. And and when you go through the, 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 the maturation process, understanding that the, the single in the hole, the taking your walk, those are ways that you're contributing day in and day out. And, and we used to talk about it all the time when I was developing as a front office person. You, uh, you have to stay rooted to, to the ability to get on base. And if you're taking your walk, if you're chipping in your single, the damage is going to start to come. And then all of a sudden, what looks, you know, what we would qualify, the, the OPS, the, the overall look, of, of that player's quality is going to be right about where it should be. If on if on your down days you're finding your single through the hole or your walk. Have you seen these numbers on uh, on spring training at this point to uh, compared to this point last year? Time of game is down from over three hours, three oh one to two thirty six. Runs per game are just up a tick. Stolen bases are up almost one stolen base attempt per game. And then this was the one that jumped out to me: the batting average on on ground balls is up from 235 to 258. That's going to have, I would think, an enormous effect on the way baseball is played this year. Enormous. And most of the things you just mentioned, you know, especially when we talk about the balls in play average and, and stolen base attempts, uh, were things that we anticipated. I will say that the most refreshing part of this and, and something we wouldn't have anticipated being quite as dramatic as it's been is the time of game. And, uh, I, I'm able to make my dinner reservations for a little bit earlier. <laughs> it's a, it's an amazing thing when you're, you're there and the, you, you look up and you're an hour and a half and you're in the seventh inning and, <laughs> and it's a, it's so crisp and, and the game is being played at a speed where it's, it, it, it flies by and you're, you're left excited the entire time. And, you know, it's a, I think we'll get over some of the, the wonky in game, you know, strike calls on a hitter for stepping out or a pitcher for holding it's you know it, it's just a little bit to get used to but it, it's refreshing to watch base runners attempting steals you know we're we're going through inter squad games here in the mornings now with our minor leaguers and and we're urging them to go at that just go time the pitcher up and run and find out what you're capable of 
because, you know, some of the new rules are going to benefit, you know, players who can steal bases. And we have, you know, between Colton Wong and, and Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty and Julio Rodriguez, even Teoscar Hernandez, and AJ Pollock, these are guys that can go steal a base. Hold on. That's Mm -hmm. now you're leaving a name out there. And he told us at least off the air that he was going to get at least three bags this year. And that's Ty France. And he tried one yesterday. He took your advice. I think he's probably gonna be a little upset that you left him off that list. Yeah. I think Ty might lead our league and lead our team in hitting. And I think he's got a chance (laughs) to be a batting (laughs) Hey, if, if there have been calculations, my last thing, Jerry, before we let you run, thank you again, as always for the time and even moving it around today. Uh, has Mr. Stanton calculated how many less grasshoppers, hot dogs, and beers are going to be sold in a two-hour and 25-minute game versus three-hour game? I, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how you would begin to quantify how many grasshoppers are consumed <laughs> on a given day. But you know, I do think the, that the fans are going to enjoy the, the pace of play and the crispness, at which we're – we're, it's it's amazing watching what's happening here, and and the players seem to enjoy it as well. You know, it's it's something that generally gets a lot of positive feedback the next day in the clubhouse. Kraken, quiet at the deadline as a general manager for all the years, Jerry. What do you make of a team that is in a playoff position doing zero at the deadline? So, as I said to my my good friend and fellow Kraken enthusiast Pete Fortune in our clubhouse. I tried to remind myself every day through the, the NHL trade deadline, they know how to do their job better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I do think, and I've mentioned this in, in weeks past, I, I do think that, you know, the Kraken are not built in a very dissimilar way than we are. It's about depth. It's about being able to, to string together, you know, four lines and, and you just keep on coming and, and that's the way we see ourselves as a team that just keeps on coming. And, and I think that's pretty reflective of the way the Seahawks are built as well. And, and uh, you know, I respect it. I like our team. Uh, actually, I love our team. And, you know, I don't know if, if the, the, the quiet deadline really represents how Ron Francis thinks about the Kraken. I know it's, it's certainly not how I do. I like our team. Pretty cool. Jerry, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. All right, good stuff there from Jerry DePoto, and uh, he really liked that hair thing. That seemed to really, really tickle him. But it's true. His hair just stands straight up. It's amazing. He took his hat off, and it looked flawless. I hate it. <laughs> why do I have to look like me? Why can't I Why can't I look like somebody else and have somebody else's, uh, well, whatever. All right, moving along. Uh, up next, I'll tell you what. I was wrong and I'm looking wronger by the day. We'll dig into it together next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com.